Well, go ahead, family, and find a seat. God bless you. If you're joining us online today, we're really glad that you have, wherever you are watching today, South Australia, Western Australia, Tasmania, Victoria, Northern Territory, uh, New South Wales, somewhere in Queensland or across the planet, wherever you're joining us today. We know you would want to be here and you would be here if you, if you could. If you're watching from hospital today, sending you our love and our prayers and our blessing. If you're listening to this on the radio, God bless you. If you're sitting in your war room, just seeking God with your journal and your Bible, we bless you today. We're glad. Lean in. I know Holy Spirit wants to speak to you personally this morning. Um, already we've had some notes handed out across the auditorium, so that will stay on track with our, our final message uh, in the series titled The Power of Words. This is session five. Before we get to that, just a couple of things that we missed out um, just sharing together. Tonight uh, at 5 p.m. here in our cafe, we're starting um, a four or five-part series on financial fitness. So if you want to prosper financially, very practically, you need a theological basis for prosperity and God's wisdom for your wealth, then that's here tonight. I'll be leading that class from 5 until 6 p.m. here in the cafe. That's something that uh, you don't need to register for. It's completely free. Um, but don't leave me sitting out there on my own. Uh, it'd be great to have someone to talk to tonight and encourage it. It'd be good. And then in two weeks' time, on the 4th of June, we've got our very special offering, our annual offering, our heart for the house and for the harvest. Next week, I'll be putting up some information about specifically what we're doing uh, with that offering. There are things that you've noticed already around the venue that we're working towards to uh, achieve together, moving our church, uh, kids' church around and our, our church offices to be relocated and the things that we're doing to touch the nations of the world. And uh, so just looking forward to us partnering together to achieve something absolutely phenomenal. We'll talk more about that next week and the week after. But on the 4th of June, that's Sunday the 4th of June, we've got a special annual offering. It's, a, uh, it's, on the, it's the heart for the house and the harvest. And I don't think there's anything else that I really needed to tell you. There's that, there's that, and I love you. I, uh, I'm glad to be home. Sharon and I were last night up in uh, Cooktown for our church up there, had their opening. Their, their building was open, dedicated to the Lord last night. We had car trouble, and so we, we found a car in the car park at the motel, and we drove it home this morning. It belonged to a friend of ours. We drove it home this morning, but it's been an early day, so if, uh, if uh, just keep cheering loudly, and I'll preach as good as I can. Is that all right? All right, so I, I want to... I'm really glad, and I know that Adam is particularly glad that I got home this morning because uh, he was, he was under the pump. I told him, you're up, boy, you're up. So uh, there we go. If you've got your Bible this morning, you might want to turn to Genesis and just keep going from Genesis to Exodus, Leviticus, to the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 13, verse 1, and then verse 25 to chapter 14, verse 10. Rewind the tape and listen to that address again. But I want to give you a couple of scriptures by way of introduction and just lay down a foundation for this final message about the power of words. The Bible says that words are forceful. Job records for us, he says that the right words are powerful, they're forceful, and so are negative words as well. Words have got a life-containing authority and energy about them. Words are not innocent, they're powerful. In the Psalms, the psalmist said, he said, God, I need your help. He said, would you put a would you put an SAS soldier right here at my mouth? Would you make an armed guard stand right here at my lips? Because how many people know that our mouth gets us into trouble? And our mouth is... 
Not you, of course. It's the guy in front of you I'm talking about. But our mouth will get us into trouble. But I'll tell you what, our mouth will also get us out of trouble as well. And uh, so I want to share with you today and encourage you. Um, it's a negative message. I'm, I'm sorry. It's a negative message today. The message title is The Destructive Power of a Negative Report. This is a turning point in history. It's a particularly uh, powerful moment in the nation of Israel's history. Israel have been promised by God. Abraham has been carrying a promise for generations has been passed down that there was a land of promise for the children of Israel to own and inherit and it's the land of Canaan and they've come out of slavery out of Egypt and they come to a point where they send in spies to go and check out how good it is and they come back and these 12 men go to investigate 10 came back with a evil report a bad report the Bible says that they spoke they spoke 100, the 10 spies spoke 184 words. That was their report. That's a short report. 184 words. 172 of those words were negative. 184 words recorded in the New King James translation. 172 of those words are negative and it swayed the heart of millions of people. Now, you might not realize how powerful your words are. They might not have that much sway, but I promise you there are people who are depending on your life-giving words. So let's not make the same mistake that these guys made and let us be accountable for our language. Let us be accountable for our vocabulary. Let us be accountable for our speech because words are filled with life-giving power or otherwise. Jesus said in Mark chapter he said, pay attention to what you're listening to. Pay attention to what you're listening to. Yeah? Because the way you hear things is really, really important. What you hear, how you hear, who you hear, the value and the validity that you place upon those things that you're listening to. That's why... Parents from all generations have been saying to, you, to, our, to our children, be careful what you play on the computer. Be careful what you play on the cassette player. Be careful what you play on the LP record player. Careful for those vinyls, they'll get you. Right? Because what you feed and feast your heart and soul on is going to bear something out in your life. Knowledge is measured out to you by the measure of attention that you give it. That's the way knowledge increases. All right, shall we get on to the results of listening to a negative report? Ten things that are on your notes this morning. Let's, go. Let's get into this. These are the results of listening to a negative report. You know, sometimes the most negative person in our life is us. Ouch. 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 I might just get off the stage for a minute. In 1 Samuel chapter 27, verse 1, David is at a crossroad in his life. He's at a crossroad in his life. And it literally says in 1 Samuel chapter 27 and verse 1, it says, David said in his heart, David said in his heart, there's no point for me anymore. Saul is going to kill me. I might as well go and join myself with the enemy. And stay there. And maybe, maybe Saul will forget about me. 
Here's a guy that's carrying the anointing, that's already done amazing things, already seen giants laid to waste, already experienced the anointing power of God in his life, and yet he begins to speak to himself. 1 Samuel chapter 27, verse 1. He says in his heart, there's no point for me, there's no hope for me, I'm dead. Boy, the power of what we say to ourselves is really, really, really important. Can I just invite you to reach inside and just change the dial? It says that 50% of people are born negative and 50% of people are born positive. But 100% of the people can change. Just touch your neighbor and says, even you can change. Come on, tell somebody. Help, help me. Holly, Holly, tell somebody. Tell somebody. If you're taking notes today, write that down. Even I can change. Even I can change. Here's the 10 results of listening to a negative report. The destructive things that when we have, a, when we have an ear that is tuned to what's wrong. Yeah? Here it is. Number one, a negative unity is formed. We know how powerful unity is, right? But when a negative unity is formed and forged, unity will work just as well for the enemy as it will for us. So we've got to be careful who we listen to because who we listen to, we receive. Who we receive, we're empowering our life with. So don't listen. When the enemy comes along with his lies and his fear, don't listen. Don't bond. Don't build a unity and agreement with that. Yeah? Number one, a negative unity is formed. Number two, perceptions. Perceptions. Somebody say perceptions. That's what you think real is. Hello? That's what you think real is. That's your perception, right? Who's ever run a marathon? Yeah, me neither. Uh, But I'm told by people who've done it that you run for a while, then you feel exhausted. So when you walk from the bedroom to the fridge, you feel exhausted, some of us. But apparently, apparently if you run a little further, you break through that and you get this thing called a... Oh, you've heard about it. You've heard about it. You never experienced it, of course, but we've heard about it, right? Perceptions become twisted and distorted. I thought it was like this, but it's probably more like that. That's what happens when you feed on, when you receive, when you take on a negative report. I have seen so many good brothers and sisters. I've seen so many mature Christians. People who have walked in faith with God for a long period of time get poisoned and then absolutely turned away from the purpose and assignment of their life because they listened to the poisoning words of either the enemy or a brother or sister who was just filled with toxicity. Can we, can we just agree that that's not who the kind of people we want to be? that we're not going to be those kind of people. That when we hear ourselves talking negative, we say, hang on a minute, that doesn't sound like what should be coming out my mouth. Would you, be, would you be friends enough with me so that when you hear me talk negative, you say, excuse me, Pastor, there was a guy preaching in the church a few weeks ago and he actually said, let no, uncor- no, let no corrupt thing come out, no corrupting thing. That kind of talk is corrupting me. Did you ever tell yourself that? Give yourself a good talking to? How did David say in his heart? It's because we're fractional, aren't we? There's elements to us. 
We are a body for sure. We can all see that. But there's also another dimension inside of us. Emotions and feelings and intellect, right? And then even deeper than that, there's something inside of us the Bible identifies as a spirit. That essentialness of you, that, that element that connects with God. And sometimes that is supposed to be the loudest voice. Number three, our values are changed. Where once our value was, we're here to take ground. We're here to possess the kingdom. We're here to do damage to the kingdom of darkness. All we want to do is pull the blankets up. I can preach like this because I felt depressed in my life. I've battled with depression in my life. I know what I'm talking about. I don't want to get out of bed. I just want to pull the blankets up. Don't take counsel from your fear. Don't take counsel from your depression. Don't take counsel from the enemy that's trying to shut you down and set you in the corner and silently sulk. You are the people of God. Sing spiritual songs. Build yourself up in your holy faith. Pray in that language Holy Ghost gave to you. Declare, put God's word in your mouth. It's a two-edged sword. Find a friend who'll say, stop thinking like that. I've got a good friend, her name's Sharon. Number four, number four, number four. Number four, are you ready to write this down? This is what happens when you listen to a bad report. This is the destructive results that people begin to desire Egypt. They don't immediately return to Egypt, but they begin to desire it again. Well, does, oh man, do you remember what it was like in Egypt? Remember the leaks we had? Okay, so we want vegetables, but we're happy to take the whip as well, aren't we? Come on, there's, there's a land of absolute abundance ahead of us, but we're... We're, we're, we're minimizing the, 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 the restrictions and the afflictions of yesterday, right? And somehow trying to make it okay because there's cabbage. There's, there's Brussels sprouts back there. At least there's that. Please. Please. Number five, people are filled with grief and begin to complain. Listening to a negative report getting poisoned, getting injected with toxin that doesn't belong in you. I know it's going to be quiet because this is a straight-up message. This is a straight-up message. The enemy wants to shut you down. He wants to silence you. But I'm here to agitate you and stir you up and say, you've got a voice. And you better find it in Jesus' name. Because this world will not be silent. The enemy's agenda is not going away. He's here to kill, steal, and destroy. And it's time for the church to rise up, not speak in condemnation, but to speak with an alternative view that's life-giving, that's hope-filled, that's faith-filled, that's love-filled, that's positive in Jesus' name. Number five, when you listen to a bad report, and sometimes it's you telling you, just cut it out. Just give yourself a good talking to. I mean, seriously, when was the last time you took yourself outside and shook yourself and said, that is really poor thinking? It's just me. Okay, well, I'm glad we got that out in the open. That's cool. Number six. Number six, and you hear this, right? People think and then they speak like victims. You are not a victim of your circumstance. Excuse me, Wayne. You don't 
have problems, problems have got you. Now, that's a different way of thinking. That's a different way of thinking. I don't have problems. Problems have got me. It must be that God wants to bring change. That's why he put me into that circumstance. I, I, reckon, I reckon God might believe more in me than I believe in me. He says that with temptation, he'll make a way of escape. In other words, God's saying, I reckon you can handle that pressure. What? What? God, I can't believe it. I'm faced with this temptation again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my vote of confidence in you. You can cope with that. I'll make a way of escape for you. I knew that wouldn't sink you. I'm trying to find a faith muscle somewhere inside of you. I'm trying to squeeze it today. I want to turn something inside out in you. Number six, people think and they begin to speak like victims. This is a result of listening to the wrong stuff. The wrong stuff. You know when a fire gets down small, Ruth, you can put it out easy. I mean, lick fingers can extinguish a candle, right? But you try doing that with an oxy torch. You get a fire started, right? You can throw a wet blanket on that fire and that blanket's in trouble. Let's be the kind of Christians that actually look like we are intimidating the enemy rather than being intimidated by the enemy. Can I get a witness here this morning? And I'm glad I got home because I really wanted to preach this message. Number seven, number seven. I'll go over this one quickly because it sounds a little egotistical. Number seven, this is what happens when people listen to the wrong things. They go, let's get a new pastor. Let's get rid of Moses. What does he know? He's old. I'm only young, George. I'm just a young man of 21 years and some months. But that's what happens. They says, let's follow somebody new. Yeah, let's just go on quickly because I can't preach this message. It makes it all about me. That's what happens. Number seven. Number eight. Better write that one down. Better underline that. When you listen to a negative report and you become poison in your thinking and in your heart and in your behavior, you actually cut yourself off from the inheritance God wants. I find that really, really confronting. That I could sabotage my destiny. I could sabotage my potential because I refuse to guard my heart. I refuse to remove myself. I refuse to... I stopped listening to good and godly counsel. I was living in the second half. Oh, sorry, I was living in the first half of Psalm 1 instead of the second half of Psalm 1. Yeah? I walked with the sinners. I, I, I stood and I sat in the seat of the scoffers. And I just filled my heart and my mind imagination with the wrong kind of things. Number 10, number 9 rather, is that your children are going to be affected by the choices that you make. Your children are. Your grandchildren are. I'm always excited when someone emigrates from another country into Australia. If you're here in our nation and you weren't born here, welcome for those who come across the sea with boundless planes to share. Even if you come sneaky on a boat, you're still welcome. Sharon might not let you in, but I will. 
Number, number 10. Number 10. You know why God gets upset? You know why God gets angry? It's because people begin to live at an infinitely lower place in life than what He actually wants for them. Come on, I'm here to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. God's a good God. The devil's a bad devil. And God's got a good purpose and a good plan for His people. When we go God's way and we do it God's way, we get God's results. We get God's blessing. If there's anyone that you envy in life, it's because they're doing something that God said they should be doing. They might not be doing everything God said they should be doing, but they're doing something. And it's brought about a result that we admire and we appreciate. God gets angry because people end up living with far less than the best that God has for us. Now, that looks like the end of the sermon, but I know you want more. So let's go to the next slide. Turn your page over. See what happens. This is what happens. This is literally what happens. Here, watch the process. Go over the page for me, please, team. Thank you. That we learn. So information, a little deeper. Someone wants a bit more deeper preaching. Here it is. Information comes to us through our five senses, and it creates perception. If you're taking notes this morning, you want to highlight a couple of words, underline, circle a couple of words here. When you learn something, information comes in and it creates a perception. Then we think, and thinking is the mental process used to digest information, confirm its truth, or refute it, and change our perceptions. Then we begin to imagine. So this is the process. This is what happens when information, stimulus comes to us. Imagination, a forecast about what's going to happen. What's going to happen? How it's going to happen? Ladies, you are brilliant at this. Usually in the worst possible way. You jump to conclusions. <laughs> Ross, I'm, I'm rowing out here. I'm rowing out here. I'm rowing out here. I was afraid people were going to go to sleep, so I thought I'd just wade out here into the deep water and just see what sort of rose up from the depths. Maybe, maybe not you, but someone else I've read about. A forecast about the consequence, what's going to happen, right? Then we decide, we determine, we make choices, we act on our perception, what we feel and believe is real. You ever seen that word fear as an acronym? False evidence appearing real. In our imagination, that thing that we fear is as true and as living and as real as something we can grab a hold of. You've been a child once, right? Some of you, it was a long time ago. But you've been a child, right? And you've walked down a dark street and something rustled. Now... Now, in your mind, in your mind, you could define what that monster was, right? You watch too many movies, Daniel. Watch too many movies. You could define what that monster was, right? How? Imagination. But you determined that it was real. And it made the hair on the back of your neck stood up. And you got goose flesh. And you walked just a little bit quicker. And you whistled. Or you started praying in your prayer language, whatever. And you got to where you needed to go, right? Because that's the power of the mind. False evidence appearing real. And then we speak a vocal response, signaling our thoughts and our feelings and our own personal perception. And then, and then we act. We act. We act according to, corresponding with our perceptions. If that's true negatively, it's also true positively. 
It's also true positively. Let's begin. Let's just go back a slide, if you will, please, guys. Let's just begin to go, God, I'm going to take your word for what your word says. There's a scripture I want to give to you this morning. See if I can find it here really quickly. It's uh, in the New Testament. It says in um, 1 John chapter 5, verse 9, if we write that down, 1 John chapter 5, verse 9. I said 1 John chapter 5, verse 9. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God which he has testified of his Son. We can listen to what people say or we can choose to accept what God is declaring and saying over our situation and our circumstance. Can I get a witness here this morning? We're closing out our message. And the next slide will bring us to who should we ignore and who should we reject? Well, quickly, just four or five things that we should ignore. Let's go on to our next slide, please, guys. We obviously keep going. One more slide. We should obviously... Next slide be great. And one more. And one more. Here we go. These are some people we should ignore. Obviously, we should reject and ignore what the devil's got to say. Yeah? I put Satan up there because all the words start with S, aren't I clever? Then there's self, and sometimes self is a really poor advice source for us. Then there's stupid people. Do you know any of those people? I'm not trying to be mean, but you must know some people like that, right? Just make the same mistakes over and over and over again. You know what we call that? There's a technical word for that. Dumb. Then there are sinners, people who don't have the covenant of God, the law of God, the truth of God, living in their life, flowing through their life. Don't listen to that. And then scoffers, people who just sneer at. I've got no time for that. I really don't. Who am I going to listen to? I'm going to listen. I'm going to receive. I'm going to take to heart the wisdom of God's word, the wisdom of God's God's counsel, I want to hide that in my heart. I want to treasure that because it's life-giving for me, yeah? I want, to, I want to get somebody who's a witness. Do you know witnesses? Someone who saw it firsthand. I don't want to take a gossip story. I want to get a firsthand witness of the goodness of God. That's why when someone starts talking about miracles, I lean in. I want to get closer. I want to hear about what God's doing. We were from a friend's house on Friday night in the morning. Uh, our, our friend Alex said, I want to share with you a miracle. I, I stopped eating my bacon. I put my bacon down because I wanted to hear about the miracle that God is working in his life. Relevant. This is what we need to know right now. That's good stuff. People who achieve, not people who think about it. Or, or One day, those gunners, you know those gunners? Not the Guntons, not those people, the, the gunners. I'm going to one day, right? Don't bother listening to them. And then listen to people who've got some meekness about their life, right? Just God resists the proud, but he gives grace to those who are meek. He gives grace to those who are humble. Let those people, let those voices, let that sound resound within us and through us in Jesus' name. Two more scriptures and then we're done. Our worship team are coming back and I'm landing this plane before 11.30. Our worship team are, by God's grace, going to come back. Calling all worship team. Here's a scripture. Look what it says here. 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 8. I keep bringing these verses to your attention because I want to convince you the Bible's got good stuff in it. It says that when Asa heard the words of the prophecy of Oded, the prophet, he, someone tell me, he took courage. Come on. 
If courage is something you can take and it's not a pill, you don't find it under a bottle lid, but you can receive courage from words, then I want to receive a word that builds courage into my heart and into my life. Going to get a witness here this morning. One more scripture we're finishing, finishing this message today. They went out as far as the Appy Forum, the three ends. When Paul saw them, if you know what's happening in this chapter here, Acts chapter 28, you know what's going on. You know this is not an easy moment in Paul's life, right? But when he gets there and he meets those brothers, what does the Bible say? He took courage. I just believe with all of my heart that today you could leave this building, you could leave this service, you could turn the radio off, you could hit the, the pause button on, on YouTube right now and say, God, I want to take courage away from what I've just heard. I'm going to take the word I've heard. I'm going to mix faith with it. I'm going to put action into my life. I'm going to build on what God is saying to me. I'm going to take courage out of what I've just heard. And I'm going to see God do something powerful, wonderful, glorious in my life. In Jesus' name. Is that helpful? I don't know if you enjoyed listening to that, but I've enjoyed preaching it. Take, Take what God is saying to you. Now, as is becoming our habit here at Destiny, just want you to reflect on, just go back over your notes this morning and say, Holy Spirit, what was it this morning that you were trying to say to me that I need to really take to heart? Just look at your notes. Just don't look up here for a moment. Just look at your notes. Look at your neighbor's notes who were more diligent than you and, uh, and just go, yeah, that looks like a good one. I should probably think about that a bit more. You with me, Jen? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to us as a church? We don't want to fall out away from each other and become disunified. We don't want we don't want to be dismantled from within because we listen to the wrong things. The accusations and the slander of the enemy, the foolish words of a hurting friend. Lord, help us to live beyond and above that. Help us be the kind of people who really know how to guard our heart and our mouth so that what comes from us is life-giving, is affirming, is uplifting, is a blessing. It's a wellspring of blessing flowing up from within us. Lord, bless your people. Bless your church. Bless your house. May we rise up and declare blessing over our children. Blessing over our husband, blessing over our wife, blessing over our parents, blessing over our boss, blessing over our workers. Lord, blessing over our investors, blessing over our neighbours, blessing over those that serve us wherever we go, just declaring favour and life in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Father, today, Would you give to us the grace to repent and to change? And to change. Maybe you're here today, this morning, you've never said yes to Jesus Christ. Maybe you're listening to this broadcast and you've never surrendered your life to Christ. You've never been either cognizant of who He is and what He claimed. He claims to be the Savior of the world. He claims to have died for your sins. He claims to be the Son of God and He proved that He was by rising from death, ascending into heaven. Of this we can be sure because the early church could never have got started if those things were not true. In the face of utter persecution, the church flourished. And they would never have died for a lie. They've never had their families torn apart, 
had all their earthly and worldly goods destroyed because of a lie. We wouldn't be here today if we hadn't found the reality of a risen Savior, relevant and real and helpful in our day. If you've never said yes to Jesus, today is a moment in time where you say yes to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I invite you to pray. Ask God in. Ask God into your life and into your circumstance. Would you bow with me in a moment of prayer? Father, today, because you are the miracle worker, we've been proclaiming that since our first song, that you answer prayer, that you work miracles, that you heal the sick, that, God, you do the impossible. And that's still a reality in our day-to-day life and existence. And so, Father, we are thanking you today for those in pain and those in need. We're speaking the name of Jesus over those lost or angry or confused or or hurt, or troubled, that Jesus is the solution, that Jesus is the answer. And so our life is hidden in you, Jesus, as we surrender to you, and we seek your wisdom for every day. We seek your wisdom for every moment, for every choice. I thank you, Father, that blessing is upon this church and through this church to its generation. And God, we just want to say we love you and bless you. Somebody said, Amen. Amen. Father, Just bless my family today. Go in peace. Join us for tea and coffee. Um, Sign up with Cass and with uh, Corey as one of the hospitality team and just get on board. Just volunteer. You don't even need to talk to anyone. You can just volunteer and make coffee and uh, become part of that team and just bless others. You good? You want to sing one more song? I don't believe you. Oh, you do? All right, let's stand to our feet. Let's worship the Lord one more time. Thanks, worship team.